Hello and welcome to First Flight, a Star Trek Enterprise rewatch podcast where we are watching and discussing each episode of Enterprise in succession. First Flight is a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Network. This is Commander Tucker of Enterprise. We've got some information you're going to want to hear. Welcome, Enterprise fans. I'm your co-host, Chris. And I'm your co-host, Abby. And tonight, we are discussing Singularity, the ninth episode of Season 2. Singularity was written by Chris Black and was directed by Patrick Norris. It aired on November 20th, 2002. But before we begin our discussion, we need to issue a read alert. Tactical alert. All hands to stations. And I love that this is the episode it comes from. Me too. There are potential spoilers ahead. We might end up talking about any part of the series at any time, so you have been warned. And now for a summary of the episode. It's time for the captain's log. All right, Abby. Let's go. Captain Starlog Supplemental. All right, so I worked hard to get this into a single sentence for singularity. Mm. Due to radiation exposure, the crew begin to act strangely and obsess over small details, leaving to Paul to save them all. Oh, and it rhymes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was just Dr. Seuss's birthday at, <laughs> when we were recording. So being an elementary school teacher, I'm pretty good at those rhymes. Okay, so I think we need to just do Dr. Seuss, Captain's Logs. <laughs> that would be pretty Kind fun. of like an immature version of what the Delta Flyers do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or Snaptrack always does lyrical recaps. Yes, too. yes. So. All right, well, that'll be our challenge to ourselves. I believe next time it's your turn, so you can start us off with that one. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I prefer free verse, but I'll do my best. <laughs> All right, so let's just go ahead and deploy our subspace amplifier and get into this episode. We'll start with a quick chat about the cold open and then head into our pros and decon section. Each of us will share three of our favorite parts of the episode. And then if there are things that don't gel with us, we'll have a discussion on any decons from the episode. You might hear a dog bark in this discussion if somebody's Porthos pick is mentioned, but we'll still discuss them later on. All right, so let's get into the episode. As always, we will start with the cold open, and uh, this one is short and sweet. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on how the episode starts? Science Officer's Log, August 14th, 2152. Enterprise remains on course for the trinary system. I've transmitted a distress call, but the nearest Vulcan ship is more than nine days away. By the time they arrive, they may only find debris if that. Even if Enterprise makes it past the black hole without being destroyed, it seems likely the crew won't survive. It's been a long road. Getting from it is very short, like you said. <laughs> but I loved how once we get into the Enterprise, no, not the Enterprise, Enterprise. Once we get into Enterprise on the bridge, we get this low, hard piano note, and it just sets the tone. And I, it's a, just a striking chord there in a moment, and I loved it. Um, it sets that dire tone. And uh, that's really all I have to say about this cold open. It's <laughs> short and sweet and gets its job done and gets us to the song. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> gets us to the song. <laughs> That's perfect. But I have to say, I think that this one is another one, and I swear we keep 
throwing this back to our friend Jim Morehouse at Truck Ranks, but this is another moody episode. This is one that it sets the tone in this cold open, and it's what, like 17 or 18 seconds long? It's a very short cold open. But like you said, with all of the different shots, with T'Pol talking and the mystery of all the crew being unconscious mm. and that piano note over and over again, it sets the tone. And the tone of this episode is is tense. Whether or not we think that you know it does it well, this this is a tonal episode. And you know from the first, what, 20 seconds mm-hmm. exactly what this is going to be. And it continues that thread all the way through. So kind of fun. And I like, you know, a very short cold open if it's done well. Because you do, you it ends and you're like, wait a minute, what? No, why are we singing already? <laughs> I, I need to know a little bit more. So that's it's a good cold open if it leaves you wanting more. Yeah, and you know, you're, what you said made me think about how this connects with the seventh, how that begins with a moody piano scoring. And both are moody episodes, starting with moody piano. Um, So, yeah, you know, I just like those kind of connections, especially with the score. So do you have anything else to add about our cold open? No, I think that one is pretty much all we're going to say about that, because like we said, short, sweet and moody. So why don't we jump right into our pros? Chris, let's start with you tonight. What's your first pro you'd like to talk about for Singularity? I love the interaction between Archer and DePaul about his book (laughs) or the preface he has to write for his father's book. And I love the advice that DePaul gives to Archer about how he should kind of whittle down his thoughts to one page. She says that he should focus on one incident a single event that exemplifies your relationship with your father. You'll be able to better condense your thoughts. And Archer's response is perfect, especially as we've been tracking this relationship and how they become more unified and thinking more alike. He responds saying, a logical approach. Yes, it's a little (laughs) playful, but it's also correct. And he's starting to see things from her point of view. This is the little thing. It's a playful little moment, but also reveals a lot about how they're becoming such a united team. Yeah, you know what? That is an absolutely beautiful moment there. And you know what? It's also one of those moments where you could have seen him answering in a totally different way. And probably if this had been early season one, Archer, first of all, he wouldn't have asked her. And second of all, if she would have given him that very Vulcan-like response, he would have rolled his eyes or scoffed. Or just the tone of saying, well, that's very logical, could have been so different. And I love that they are growing into this relationship and that, you know, who are the people he shows this to? It's Tripp and T'Pol. Those -hmm. are his people that he trusts to give him feedback in a way that he feels comfortable with that that vulnerability. Because this isn't Starship Command. This is his dad. That's a big thing. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a beautiful moment, and I'm glad you highlighted it. Yeah. As a writer, couldn't couldn't ignore it. So what about <laughs> yours? What's your first pro? All right. Well, it's kind of funny that that was your first one because it flows so beautifully into my first pro. Okay. But, but everyone, I promise that we do not <laughs> plan our smooth no. as butter segues i promise we don't (laughs) we're just that good uh, highly trained professionals so um (laughs) as a professional i interrupted you so i am unprofessional continue (laughs) that's okay because i was thinking the same thing about how funny it is the way that we back and forth like this but my first pro is talking about the other part of this relationship that i just mentioned the archer trip relationship Mm. in this episode so because we see a lot of parts of it. And I, as I was going through, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this. And I want to talk about this. And I want to talk about this. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's because I actually really want to talk about the two of them who we know are good friends and have been for a chunk of time. And they're also colleagues. So even the vulnerability we were just speaking of, 
Archer is so embarrassed at the beginning of this episode to ask Trip about his chair. Like, yes. he's been sucking this up for over a year that he feels <laughs> like he's going to fall out of his chair every time he sits in it. And you can see him, like, finally just getting to the point where he's like, I'm so sick of this stupid chair. I'm just going to ask him. And that Trip gives him a little bit of, of a, you know, a ribbing, but then understands enough and, and they go with it and it's fine. But then also... They have that, you know, things degenerate and they have that kind of blow up and that back and forth about when he's scanning him to make sure the chair is perfect and he's <laughs> reading him the first of the 19 page oh, preface and, and man, they hit below the belt. And we're going to talk about writing. It's like, obviously you don't know much about writing. Neither do you like, but that's also how you fight with somebody that you really care about. Because the people you care about the most are the people that you can really decimate if you if you go there. And to see them get to that point. But then, and this is the thing that I don't remember ever having really like caught this or noticed it enough for it to register until I was re-watching for this. At the very end, when they're talking about the chair and how they only lowered it a centimeter and all that, they back in, as Trip is in the turbo lift, he kind of gives Archer the little look. This is all nonverbal. The all good because he's sitting in the chair and Archer just kind of gives him a little nod and a thumbs up and then Trip gives him a thumbs up and a wink and it's it's maybe two seconds but this is them fine again like they are back to where they were and that's how you are with people that you care about that deeply your friends your family that you know are the people that are your forever people you can hit below the belt you can have a terrible horrible moment and you can come back from it. And that's just such a nice thing to see between these two men. Yeah, that friendship is one of my favorites of the series. You wouldn't see Archer putting thumbs up to Travis or Malcolm or no. Fox, right? It's kind of an almost a very corny kind of sentiment. Yes. <laughs> right? A wink yes. and thumbs up. Like, I don't, I don't really do thumbs up. And I'm a pretty corny person. Um, but it works totally <laughs> for those two buddies. Like they're not bros, they're buddies, yeah. right? Um, yes, yes. So yeah, that's a great pick. I'm so glad you did it because I, I was struggling too between DePaul and Archer or Archer and and um, Trip. So uh, thank you so much for representing that in the podcast because it did need to be called out as one of the the pros of the episode. That's why there's two of us, because then we secretly get to do six things and eight when you include the Porthos. So look at ah. that. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to your number two. What is the next thing that you would like to call out? Well, I really was fascinated by just the scientific concept of the trinary system, where there's in this system two stars and one black hole, which, yeah. you know... Recently, Dr. Aaron McDonald did that little feature on Gravity Well in in the um, yes the Wrighton yeah the Wright Nebula in Star Trek mm -hmm. Picard, and how mm -hmm. it, it helped me clarify something I I knew about black holes, but like it gave word to it that it's not a vacuum sucking up things in the universe. It's just a gravity well, just like a planet is or a star is. It's just super intense. Yep. And so in this yep. case, like with a trinary system, it's three gravity wells playing against yeah. each other, right? Which is just yep. really interesting that they have this, this kind of fresh concept. They don't really explain it too much, but it's a fresh concept. I don't think I've seen it in other Star Trek. I wish it was more of a feature, but um, I was just fascinated by that. And it made me immediately think of Dr. Aaron McDonald's little feature which if you guys haven't seen, definitely check out. It's, well, it aired on the Ready Room for- The clip is up on the Paramount Plus YouTube channel as well, as oh, are okay. a whole bunch of other ones that she's done for other, for Discovery oh, yeah. and for um, Prodigy. My my daughters absolutely adore Dr. Aaron's little Prodigy moment ones. Oh, the Borg Every one she did for Prodigy. is now Dr. Aaron. Yeah, the Borg one for Prodigy was perfect. Absolutely yes. perfect. So that that's it. I mean, I know it this is the this is the problem that causes the the issue, the conflict of the episode. So it's it's a huge thing there. Although they just don't we don't explore the concept um too much, but I just like it. 
I don't know. I really like the concept and it made me really think that, um, oh, you could have just these three gravity wells. One is a black hole and two are stars. Cool. It is cool. And you know what? The graphic for that is really cool too. And I really feel like there are sometimes in Enterprise you can see that it was the early 2000s when these graphics were happening. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's still really pretty. Whether it's a good matte painting or a good you know, special effect shot. And I really think that th this trinary system was very pretty. Like if you were just looking at it from that point of view, aesthetically, it's cool. Scientifically, it's cool. And how cool is it that something that just came out a few weeks ago, by the time this airs, mm. is impacting how you think about this show that's 20 years old and vice versa. Like that's, yes, that's the connective tissue of Star Trek. And, and, you know, maybe I really liked this because it harkens back to things like breaking, breaking the ice in season yeah. one. Yeah. Breaking the ice in season yep. one with the Vulcan snowman. Um, yes. And that sense of exploration, that all that innocent desire to know um, that, early season one enterprise was really exploring they were exploring and that kind of goes yeah. away in enterprise so i really love when it pops up here that that's what's driving the episode no villains no distress calls just let's explore curiosity yes exactly all right so what's your next pro all right so my second one is another relationshipy one and this is perfect again because we were talking about connective threads and the light serialization that enterprise was starting here now mm. i want to talk about reed and archer in this yes. one because we have seen multiple times in the first half of season two reed and archer building this relationship i mean we saw it way back i mean we just talked about the communicator and about how that one was a big thing for the relationship, minefield, you know, all of these little pieces and the fact that they have had breakfast together, even though he quips at it in this one, which I thought was really yes. funny because that's a, that's a, that's for all of us nerds out here who obsess over things that he just tosses off that it's more important to have them over for breakfast. <laughs> that, that cracks <laughs> me up every time. But um, I really like that we, we can see the respect that is between them now. Because when they talk the first time, when Archer stops down by the armory and Malcolm gives him that pad and it's all the things, but the look that Archer gives him is not this exasperation or this guy is crazy. It's more respect, like, wow, he really has been thinking about this. Wow, I know this guy is very job driven and and this is where we connect we connect over talking about the job not so much personal stuff mm. so the fact that malcolm felt comfortable enough to give that whole list to archer and know that there's not going to be a reprimand it's almost like asking him to speak freely but just on a pad like here's all my <laughs> notes on what's wrong here and he's okay with it archer is okay with getting that from him because they are at that point and then the other part that I really like is <laughs> besides the fact that he's telling him, you know, make the, t the name a little less aggressive that yes. at the end, he's still going, that alarm is awful. Cause Oh my God, that <laughs> alarm is awful. But the fact that he calls him in at the end and Malcolm thinks he's going to be in trouble because that alarm is awful. But Archer wanted to personally tell him that he was right. Malcolm's, mm -hmm. you know, upgrades his, the basic idea of his plan was correct. And Archer took the time to tell him that. And he knows that he needs to hear that because of what they have been through previously on this season, because he is getting a better understanding of, of Malcolm and what is meaningful to him. And that made a huge difference to me watching mm. it this time through going, you know what? Archer did that on purpose because Archer is a good leader. And yes. he is by this point, you know, from getting much more familiar with all the people in his crew, not just his big two, but everybody else enough to know how to handle Malcolm correctly. And it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you you said what I was thinking while you were talking, because your <laughs> your 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 words were making me think, yeah, Archer has is really developing into a leader that is a leader of people. A, Regardless of his mm -hmm. rank, he's just good at leading people because, 
you can tell he's just kind of like, oh, here we go again. Here's more of his suggestions. But then he says, okay, show it to the department heads, get some feedback. Because he knows, yeah. and you and I know in education, <laughs> to get anything done, it has to be collaborative. Yep. Not one person has all the answers. All of us are smarter than one of us. And that's mm-hmm. the only way we're going to serve the whole. Whether you're a teacher in a classroom or a tactical officer on a starship, right? Archer wants Reed to test these out and work out the kinks and the language and the protocols with the other people on the ship. And I think that's brilliant. Um, I had a principal once who no one liked. If you walked up to him and said, hey, do you think we could? No. He would just always, no. <laughs> always. If anyone came with a request, no. And he, <laughs> I could see him with his big belly and just, no, a little mustache. <laughs> and I was one of the teachers that the only one that signed up to go to this four day conference and we had to share a room, me and this guy, Oh, we had breakfast every morning together. Oh, there you go. Breakfast, Archer and, and Reed. And um, <laughs> he explained, he says no, because the people that really care and w- are willing to put the work in to refine their idea will come back with a better idea, a better version of that oh, idea. Interesting. And he always got better ideas and commitment from those people that actually care and are actually committed um, whenever he just said, no, um, it's an odd, <laughs> odd strategy, but Archer didn't quite say no here. He just said, go explore this further and develop it. And then we'll talk. And I think that's a good leader. I completely agree. <laughs> and your impression of that principle, like I'm picturing this man in my mind because of the way that you said that one word. <laughs> That exactly. If if students come up to him on campus, hi, Mr. Stevens. Uh, he just like grunt at people. <laughs> it's like, what is this? But he was good at what he did. All right. So let's move on to your final pro here, Chris. What else do you want to raise up today? Well, I actually want to lower something, maybe about an inch. <laughs> <laughs> or a centimeter. Or a centimeter, yeah. We we already talked about the chair, but that was my last pick. I love that chair, that big reveal. Like, <laughs> it's this whole fixation through the whole episode. Cup holders, tactical displays, all these things. And all he does is lower a centimeter. Yeah. And that is how you do humor on Star Trek. Yeah. Right. That's a joke that goes that spans and is set up the entire episode and has the punchline. That is such a rare kind of joke on Star Trek. It doesn't happen often. Yes. But it's one of the best. There's another Trek ranks, right? Topic. Like <laughs> excellent <Yes>. jokes. <laughs> yes, that would be a really fun one. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you say I think it's it's really interesting because this is not an episode that I revisit often. Like I feel that episodes where many of the characters are out of character sometimes just kind of, they have to be done impeccably for me to really enjoy them. But the part of this episode I always remember is the chair. Me too. <laughs> so like, it, it's, it's so funny. Like I remember that and I remember Hoshi, but It's the chair that I remember like going, oh, that was so funny. And like to have a joke that you can remember is kind of the highlight of the episode, even that that's that's a good thing. And that it's nice to see Trip playing the humor that isn't so, you know, gosh darn, you know, kind of campy. This one was just genuine, good, long, spread out jokes. So perfect pick. Yeah, you know, and it, I love when he's doing unscrewing things with the whatever the tool is <laughs> and just driving to mm-hmm. call nuts. We also have sensitive hearing. <laughs> but it made yeah. me think while watching it this time, after going through a pandemic, we were all stuck from home, that she <laughs> face and then grows to prefer working in her room, right? And so she just wanted yep. people to bring her work to her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 
we resonate with that today. <laughs> like working from home. <laughs> like I I got a whole new career where I work from home most of the time now. So um yeah. It's funny how we can retroactively connect with these things. And why it's still relevant today. Absolutely. So what is your last pro? Finish us off. Okay. So my last pro here is just in general, Flocks this episode. Like (laughs) Flocks, we know, is unbelievably brilliant. Like we see him come up with stuff time and time again. He is underrated in the number of times that the you know enterprise would have been completely up a creek with no paddle if it wasn't for flux but when flux is really hyper focused like he was in this one ooh, he's scary <laughs> like he was creepier than anything else in this episode because number one he has access to things that really could be detrimental to your brain you know like microsections but it john billingsley plays it so well because at first you're like oh of course he was going to call travis down to ask him about the implants from dead stop which again look at this awesome light civilization and so then he's talking about you know oh it could be a headache as a result of that and that makes perfect sense nobody questions that at first not even travis like i just love all of this and i have to say that I really like how when T'Pol comes in and she's like, oh, Flox is not good. And she nerve pinches him. (laughs) That is such a perfect Star Trek moment and perhaps is resonating with me right now because my daughters who are getting into Star Trek because of Prodigy and careful selection of episodes haven't seen this one, but they now are playing this game called Big Klingon, which is basically running around and yelling with paper towel tube swords, but they end <laughs> it by Vulcan nerve pinching one or the other of them where they fall over and pretend to like go to sleep. So oh and when I saw that happen, I was like, oh my God, this is like my living room most afternoons. <laughs> T'Pol just took him down like my girls did. And then the best part at the end is, again, Flox does not have that ego that you see sometimes in people who are so smart because he thanks to Paul flat outright in front of the captain, knowing he's going to inquire further about it. He thanks Mm. her for stopping him from giving in to his obsession and probably irreparably damaging Travis. So nice to see him be humble enough to do that. And then he's going to put it in his report for the captain after he takes care of the crew because he's good at his job and putting the crew first. So just bravo to Flox all over in this episode. Well, and bravo to the writers because I think Flox is the character we trust the most, right, in this yeah. series. Like, you never expect him to do anything wrong. And so as he's getting... at the beginning of this fixation i totally buy him like oh yeah yeah, he's gonna find the problem that's affecting everyone in travis and find the solution right which he he kind of does and to paul builds off of right um well not solution but at least the problem and so like that's that's the danger of flux because we trust him and in star trek we're Mm -hmm. taught to you know, oh, so this is going to be a medical episode, you know, where the doctor has to find and race to the end to find the solution, like in the Tholian web, you know, Bones is fighting the interphasic effect on his brain while he's mm-hmm. trying to find the solution. Nope, T'Pol's just going to drop him. <laughs> and it's so funny. That was one of my pros for a while. And I had six pros on this one. Um, and they all were just little things. But this was one of those little things. Well, that's why mine ended up condensing into a bunch of like character interactions because there are, are a ton of little fabulous moments in this one. You know, and <laughs> when I was watching it, I was like, oh, there's Travis. He's the Miles today. <laughs> the Miles are Brian. <laughs> yeah, I have to say this is, well, I'll save it for my con. I have a little bit to say about Travis in there, but not because of Travis, but because of the situation of Travis. So yes. we'll get well, to that in a minute. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so why don't we just go ahead into our, our decons then? So as you all know, every episode, we talk about the parts of the episodes that don't gel with us. 
So Abby, why don't you start? Since I think you already have one about Travis. <laughs> I do. Like I have a couple that are just really silly and little. And then this one about Travis. So let me do my three quick ones here because they're mostly just Snickers. One, Trip still has way too much hair gel, like distractingly <laughs> large amounts of hair gel. It's been a couple episodes now, but this one I noticed it was like shining in the light sometimes. And that's just, that's something that doesn't hold up well. So just a silly little one. Um, I also, my heart breaks when Archer snaps at Porthos. So I wasn't going to yes. do any decons without saying, poor Porthos. He just wanted his person. And who knows if maybe his obsession, his brain was obsessing over his owner, who is then mm -hmm. snapping at him. So that just always makes my heart hurt a little bit there. And my other small silly one is, why are the controls for the showers outside of the shower? Yes. <laughs> like you see DePaul <laughs> pressing the buttons, like, if you wanted to change the temperature of your shower, you would literally have to get out of the shower, walk to the other side of the room, press the button, and go back in the shower. Now, maybe there's another set of controls that we can't see in there, but that one just made me go, wait, what? Though I do have to say, I like the fact that when she comes into his quarters earlier on, he's barefoot, so that later on, when she pulls him off his desk and throws him in the shower, he's not getting stocky shoes, because mm. his shoes were already <laughs> off, which I thought was so weird. I realized, oh, it's probably so he doesn't have soaking wet shoes in the shower, which bravo to whoever thought of that. And maybe it was actually Scott Bakula going, really? But, <laughs> wet but also, like, we don't see a lot of feet in Starfleet officers, so it shows that something's <laughs> off. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, that's very true. It's noticeable that you see him in his bare feet with his pants rolled up a tiny bit, too, which is yeah. also, you know, that time of, uh, <laughs> of the world when we, we tight rolled our pants. But... All right, my one big con I want to talk about here is poor Travis. This is the third episode this season that he spends either mostly unconscious and or dead or fake dead. <laughs> and this is not the only time. Like, if we go back and look into first season, I mean, this guy spends more time on a bio bed or laying in, like, states. I just... it. For having an episode where everybody has a part, which I really do enjoy about this episode, everybody has a part, everybody's got an obsession, everybody gets something meaty to do. Poor Travis is knocked out again in the first third. Like, he gets some good parts. He's obsessed about his record and getting all of his upgrades and everything done. But then, boom, nope, he's done. Bye. Lie on this bio bed for a while. Like, I'm sure Anthony Montgomery appreciated not having a giant line load, but the poor guy and poor Travis, we've, we've talked about how he's come in and saved the day. So like, keep him conscious more often, please. Well, it's a little known fact that um, when Voyager started having Paris being the backup nurse and getting the con officer spending time in sick boy Bay, there was a, a rule that a certain percentage of, screen time the con officer had to be in sick bay and that continued on into enterprise so i didn't know i you didn't know that fact right did you i did not <laughs> yeah, that was totally you know, true. one of those very odd ones out there uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> totally true <laughs> totally true <laughs> sorry i'm i'm just getting near three gravity wells and it's affecting my brain um <laughs> Do you have any more? Save me. Do you have any more decons? Nope, that one's it. What's on your list? All right, I have three of them. We don't delve into any characters in any meaningful way, aside from maybe Reed, because he's already fixated on this kind of stuff anyway. <laughs> it's just slightly dialed <laughs> up a little bit. Um, but that's that's it. We we don't get anything meaty from the characters. What we don't learn anything new about to Paul, except that she's competent, which we already knew. And I have to say, I'm yeah. grateful the button for the shower wasn't in the shower, because then we would have a shower scene between Archer yeah. and to Paul, and we didn't need to go there. And I'm so glad we didn't. No. Um, so that's a pro from the decon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's the, my first decon. Nothing meaningfully developed about any characters that I can think of. I was thinking that this almost felt to me like a Mirror Universe episode light. Like, mm. it was everybody <laughs> has an obsession, which is kind of like what the Mirror Universe is. 
and they're super cranky and sometimes even like uncomfortably physical like Archer pushes to Paul out of his quarters, which is yeah. more than I enjoy seeing. Mm-hmm. But it also is like, yeah, they're they're obsessing over silly things, which I know is the entire point. But yes, it would have been nice to see if there had been something a little bit more deep about some of them or all of them. I like the concept. Like it's it's a cool concept, fun to play yeah. with. Oh, as a writer, like, okay, what's this guy gonna fixate on? But the fixations. I don't know. I guess they do tell you something about the characters. Archer loves his dad, but we knew that. Trip wants to please Archer. Okay, but we knew that. You know, Malcolm really likes right. to be good at his job as security, but we knew that. We did learn about Hoshi and her food sure. background, which is cool. But what you said in response to my first econ brings me to my second one, which is Hoshi. Okay. And the other senior officers are all acting aggressively obsessed and like super rude and physical with other people and the biting comments back and forth are pretty intense, sometimes humorous. But Hoshi's assistant isn't acting strange. No one else is like acting yeah. strange in the crew. Only the people that have a credit, you know, in the opening credits yeah. are acting strange. And that's a huge miss, I think. We should be seeing people in the hallways um building a, a tower of cards, you know, a house of cards, you know, all, doing yeah. weird little things. Uh, you know, I imagine Cisco with his clock on Deep Space Nine in that one ever, one yeah. episode, like give everyone yeah. these little tiny things that we're seeing them going everywhere and people not reporting for duty and all, you know, systems shutting exactly. down. Exactly. All that, those kind of things. Again, that wouldn't give meaningful exploration of characters, but it would be consistent with the premise of the episode. Yeah, I agree. And it could have been a whole lot of, like you said, small little background things, like somebody trying to, you know, polish a table in the mess hall or something, you know, just something, yeah, something small that would be visual. It wouldn't require lines just to show, like when I think back to the game on TNG, where you start to see people all over in the background having the game on more and more and more until you start to realize that this is something that's affecting everybody. Instead, they just all pass out and end up in sick bay which i have to say thank goodness there's you know a few minor bruises and abrasions and scrapes when everybody passed out like these people are so lucky if you're on the second floor of engineering and you pass out you can fall a long way you know like (laughs) come on conquer head on the warp core on the way down like these people fall really well so thank goodness (laughs) good falling we saw saw shaw's leg get shredded and picard like you know a couple weeks ago he did not fall well People in Enterprise fall well. He took it well, though. He was able to talk and everything yes. and not scream and bawl like yeah. a baby like I'd be. <laughs> yeah, he's tougher than me. I would have been bawling, too. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Yeah. Well, um, we I have one more decon. And that Go is there's, there's no real Star Trek moment, which reveals what this episode has to say about the human condition. You know, once... You know the plot of this episode. You don't really need to return to it except to see, oh, there's that funny joke about the chair. There's some cool little moments. But other than that, like, I'm not, I don't feel enriched. Um, I don't feel like I had a full meal um, with the episode um, because it doesn't have that commentary on the human condition. Yeah, there's no oomph behind it. Mm. It's like it, it's it's going, it's going, it's going, and you expect that that punch or that twist or that lesson or that something, and it just kind of ends. Yeah, which is not horrible. It's just yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. So we've come to the time where we discuss our favorite parts for the episode, our Porthos pick. If our picks were mentioned already in the discussion, we will expand a bit more here. And if they weren't, then we have a few more great things to talk about this episode. So, Abby, what's your Porthos pick for this episode? Okay, I have to say, my honorable mention is when Hoshi yells, Carrots! Because I don't think there is any other (laughs) Star Trek show that would allow somebody just to yell a vegetable like that. So, bravo to that. We didn't spend much time talking about her subplot, but as someone who enjoys soup 
and who enjoys cooking, I, I could understand how that could become Hoshi's fixation. But my real Porthos of this one, and, you know, it was really funny because I couldn't stop thinking about this the whole time that I was watching until I finally went and I ended up looking up what the definition of singularity is, mm. because that's the title of this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's my Porthos pick, because the actual, like, Merriam-Webster definition of singularity is a point at which a function takes an infinite value, especially in space-time, when matter is infinitely dense, as at the center of a black hole. Mm. Holy cow! Could we have picked a more perfect title? I mean, a function takes on infinite value, have that. We're talking about space-time here, we're literally in space and a black hole like i don't know who came up with this title i don't know who who picked it who decided who thought of it i don't know if they even knew this but when as soon as i saw that i'm like oh my god that's one of the most perfect titles it describes exactly what's happening in this episode in a single word and it's beautiful and and the crew has a singular focus right so like there's that double play there yeah great that's great the function takes on infinite value yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so good. What a great right. pick. So, and what a great English teacher pick well, or, you know, reading teacher pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, words are good. I appreciate the right word for the right moment. Exactly. So speaking of the right moments, what's your porthos, Chris? Well, you know, I, I try and find the thing that allows the episode to endure which is usually this commentary on human condition. You know, why why can we return to a taste of Armageddon or um, a mock time for all these years? Yeah. Well, because they say something consistently true about humanity. This episode doesn't have that. So my, my Porthos pick <laughs> is really about something that endures throughout all of Star Trek, which is the red alert. And... <laughs> this is such this it's the chair for me that sticks in my mind from this episode and the red alert. And that blew my mind, yeah. made me smile so much as a kid when I watched this episode the first time around. I wasn't too hot on Enterprise, but this moment has stuck with me ever since. And you kind of already chose this scene, but I it's my Porthos pick where Archer is congratulating him for essentially saving the day with this new protocol that becomes standard protocol for the rest of this franchise, right? This is the origin story of the red alert or the condition red. And whenever he says condition yep. red, I can see that image on T- in, from TOS just <laughs> flashing, right? Yeah. Uh, that insert shot. So I really love this bit of world building for the universe of Star Trek. And this is when the show earns its prequel status and makes it worthwhile. Season four does a lot, that a lot too. And this is something so small, but something we live with in every single episode of Star Trek. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, and like you said, this scene is symbolic of that Archer-Reed relationship that I have come to really value more than I ever have before yeah. um, in this season. So that's my Porthos pick. Yeah, that's a beautiful moment. And, you know, one of the the coolest things about me having started this podcast and doing this really in-depth rewatch is me just appreciating Malcolm Reed so much more than I ever yes. had. I never had any real strong feelings on him either way. But going through this, I can see how much they put into him and how, bef- I mean, he's he's just starting to loosen up a little bit mm-hmm. and how hard that must have been to get all that characterization into that that very tight and private character. So bravo, Dominic Keating, and good job, Malcolm Reed. You are good at your job all the time. (laughs) I appreciate that. Saving lives. Accessing library computer data. All right, so here on First Flight, we love trivia and behind-the-scenes tidbits. So we pick a few to share each episode, and I have one I absolutely adore tonight. So I am starting. Because as anyone who's listened to this podcast with any regularity knows, I absolutely adore Food on Enterprise. And this was the first episode that we saw the galley 
And even better, according to the galley computer, which you can see in a few freeze frames, the Enterprise dinner menu for um, August 12th to the 22nd is as follows. And this is a long one. Hang in there, guys. Thursday, fried chicken, scalloped potatoes, and Menard spinach. Friday, grilled trout, grilled trout almardine, rice pilaf, green beans. Saturday, filet mignon, grilled curled onions, green peas, Carnegie-style cheesecake. Mm. Sunday, grilled vegetable panini, green olive caviar, peach cobbler. That sounds intriguing. Monday, Grandma DeRosa's lasagna, garlic bread, <laughs> mixed green salad. Who's grandma? <laughs> Tuesday, three course fondue, bread and green apple and cheese, lamb and beef and soy, red apples and strawberries and chocolate, parentheses, champagne optional. Ooh. Wednesday, grilled Vietnamese pork crepe, steamed <laughs> rice, plomic tea. Okay. Thursday, roast duck with raspberry sauce, asparagus and ginger, twice baked potato. Friday, noodle kugel, brisket, cabbage. Saturday, grilled alpine surprise. That's <laughs> something. French fries, Argelian coleslaw. Sunday, homestyle BBQ, spelled just like that. And then in parentheses, bring your own bib. Heck you yeah. You have no idea when I found this trivia, this trivia, how excited I was. I have been wanting to know things like this for decades. And this was so cool for me to turn up. And holy cow, that's a menu. Where are they yeah, getting all this stuff? How big are their supplies? I know they could resequence some things, but wow, they have a three-course fondue on a Tuesday. Like, <laughs> this is just this is just amazing amazing like if everybody listening could see the grin on my face right now it's this is just a little piece of joy in the universe for me well i'm smiling from ear to ear too just hearing your (laughs) delight but also did we just (laughs) learn what chef's last name is is it de rosa is that his grandma's lasagna from now on that's my headcanon right now until someone else says otherwise (laughs) I'm totally taking that. Absolutely. Oh, that's some deep cut trivia question right there. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love the sprinkling in of Plomic tea, Argelian, you know, these little yes. alien moments. There wouldn't be a lot yeah. because it's enterprise, but it's just a little bit here and there. Excellent. Exactly. And how multicultural it is. I mean, stuff all over the planet, plural for that one. Thank you for taking us through that culinary journey. I'm hungry now. And it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm kind of hungry now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but not sorry, because it's way too much fun. Abby, this is on brand for a first fright. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. We talked about shoeless archer and a food menu. So (laughs) there we um, go. My trivia is not as exciting. Well, actually, we're both on brand because I'm the Y Voyager guy. I love Voyager. And this is another Voyager connection. So here's my trivia. While trying to convince Travis to remain in sickbay, Dr. Flox mentions a protocystine spore. And y'all know what that's a reference to. It's the caretaker from Voyager. So I love that kind of connection. A little one thrown out there just for us, the fans. Um, yeah, that's that's mine. Not as long as yours, but just as satisfying for the Voyager fan. Absolutely. It's that cool internal continuity that is so much fun. Absolutely. Well, it's come to the time for our final thoughts and grappler ratings. So, Abby, on a scale of one to ten grapplers, how do you rate this episode? Okay, so I I do like this episode. I don't have anything that's massively wrong with it. I mean, most of my cons were silly little things, minus poor unconscious Travis. <laughs> but it's just, it's not my favorite thing. Like I said, when I see a whole bunch of our characters acting 
out of character. And there's there's so many episodes of Trek that do that. And none of them are really, I mean, they're fine. They're, they're nothing that I want to go back to a million times, but they're fine. And I wish there was that Star Trek moment in it, like you said, that little thing that kind of gave you the, the lesson, the, the reason, the bumper sticker of, of the episode. And it, it wasn't there. This episode is okay. But I laugh multiple times. Every time I see carrots for a while, I'm going to think of how she's <laughs> carrots. And I really like, once I found my Porthos pick with the definition of singularity, I really, I really found more connections in this and than I expected. So this one is going to be a seven for me. Okay. And how about you, Chris? After all this, what do you think? Okay. So your, your point about how the characters aren't being the characters and those episodes aren't your favorite. Well, same, like Power Play and TNG. It's a great episode, but I don't watch it much because I go to these episodes for the characters. And when they're not themselves, it's it's hard. So, you know, that's, that's a strike against it for me. And also because it lacks that um, rich thematic commentary that, that defines Star Trek for me. Um, because of all that, it's a 6.5. It's not bad. Um, I don't return to it much, but it just lacks the endearing qualities of Star Trek. Um, I like it. It's good, but not great. 6.5. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty close there. And that's that's okay. I think that I always come out of these discussions liking the episode a little bit more simply because of our talks. So I think it's it's... It's telling that we always end up fairly close to each other. That's true. I do. I I enjoy talking about it, and I I can I kind of want to go back and watch it again with our talk in mind, <laughs> for sure. All right. So before we finish up, let's go through a quick recap of all of our pros and our Porthos picks for Singularity. Chris, hit us with your list. Number one for me was um, to Paul's writing advice to Archer and his response, a logical approach. Number two was just the fact that the episode's sci-fi concept is the trinary star system and how that connected up with Dr. Aaron McDonald's um, feature talking about the gravity well in the Wrighton Nebula in Star Trek Picard. Number three is trip lowering the chair one centimeter. And my fourth pick is the read alert and how that forever is integrated throughout all of um, Federation ships going forward. What about you, Abby? All right. My number one was the exploration of the Archer trip relationship and how it shows all the different facets of really being close to somebody. My number two was the Reed and Archer relationship and how we have seen it grow over the season. And we can see that in this episode by how they react to each other. My number three was just flocks in general being hyper-focused creepy, which was intense, but wonderful. <laughs> and my Porthos pick, honorable mention to carrots. <laughs> and it was the title of the episode. And the definition of singularity lining up so perfectly with what we see in this episode. My chronometer is running backwards, sir. Incoming transmission. You read my letter? We want to remind you that we absolutely adore getting feedback and thoughts from our listeners. We collect them, and starting this season, every few months, we will do a mailbag episode where we share and discuss your insights and ideas, and one of those is coming up soon. So please drop us a line whenever you have something you'd like to share, and you might be featured on our next mailbag show. If you would like to continue the discussion with us or share your Porthos pick or grappler rating or any thoughts, you can reach us at First Flight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can reach me personally at Shelf Nerds or on my YouTube channel, Completing the Shelf. Abby, what's the best place to reach you? Best place to get me is still on Twitter. That's Abby M. Summer, S O M M E R. I'm a little bit on Mastodon, but uh, if you really want to hit me up, find me on Twitter. 
We want to thank you so much for fixating on singularity with us. <laughs> we'll be back next time with Vanishing Point, the 10th episode of season two. And as always, we leave you with this quote from Captain Archer and your moment of Melanie. The most profound discoveries are not necessarily beyond that next star. They're within us, woven into the threads that bind us, all, all of us, us to, to each, each other. other. Something's not right. Hand me the Kratasin spice, I'll add it to the stock. Oh, and I'm out of carrots. There are 25 carrots! I mean, come on, it can't be any more enterprise than OG yelling about carrots. <laughs> that is so perfect. It, it is. And it's it just is. the way she says it. It's a great moment. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sad we didn't, neither of us picked Hoshi scenes because it's cool to get no. the mess hall, not the mess hall, the, the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. That was really yeah. cool. And she was frantic and she doesn't get that much kind of energy stuff to do. And she did a great job, Linda Park. But yeah, she did. And you know what's cool too is that they have um, bowls of edamame on the, in the shell. When you see like the soup, when you're looking down at it, when Trip and Reed are eating it. Mm. And back then, that was not something that unless you were mm. in a big city Japanese restaurant, that's not something you were getting all the time. And now it's something that everybody eat. Well, at least around here, it's a very common snack. My wife. Yeah, my wife eats it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Emily. So, yeah. yeah, it was just cool that I'm like, huh, look, 20 years and we now have an expanded palate. Go us. <laughs> Star Trek's so progressive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's always a strawberry and a kiwi yes those are eternal that and cake this will be the shortest cold open discussion ever is it <laughs> well there's not much to say Unless you have some huge insight to those 17 seconds of cold open. Um, I'm an English teacher. I could spin anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's totally valid. Some other time when we're not recording, and I don't care if you put this as a button, but remind me to tell you about when I was in high school and I wrote a sarcastic paper to a teacher I was not a fan of about the absence of ducks in the book, The Scarlet Letter, being <laughs> massively significant. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm that kind of nerd. Okay, so <laughs> then I have to counter with this. Um, every week I made my AP students write an essay, a timed essay, you know, torture. Um, <laughs> but one student... <laughs> She's writing her essay. And then, so I'm reading it on Saturday, you know, losing my soul, um, looking at all the errors <laughs> and stuff. But then I read it, I'm reading, uh, scanning, and then I see in the middle of a paragraph, it says, Chaplain, I'm bored. So here we go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm into this one. And she goes to talk about how unicorns are essential for our economy. <laughs> and it was it was incredible and she didn't get a good score but I, i'm like you can redo it if you would like um please redo it but thank you also i, I can't score you on yeah. how much joy you gave me um but thank you i woke up <laughs> there you go i uh when i was in high school and we used to have to write lab reports in biology by hand because i'm old Right. Oh. We would always have to have these graph papers and there would always end up being some like weird extra spot in your your grid because that's just how it always fell out. And uh, we used to put put their little pictures of data from TNG, like his <laughs> little head, because it was right when, you know, he had found his head in a cave. Oh, yeah. And this was the, the table of all your data. So we would just oh, take me printed no. off and copied a whole bunch of little datas and throw them in as the data table. Oh, I love that. <laughs> like, so then my biology teacher, who had a sense of humor, wrote back and after a while he's like, only relevant data, please. <laughs> and so then <laughs> we were trying to, we would write little speech bubbles. and all that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but 
you know, I come from a teacher family. I know that teachers need those little bits of joy and humor in there. So like, I wasn't doing anything mean or wrong. It was simply injecting a little bit of life into something boring. Absolutely. And being supremely nerdy. <laughs> and could you also demonstrate mastery? Of course. And then some. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'd be having on the back bubbles with irrelevant data, him just saying nonsense too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that, but there would have been plenty of that. Yes. That's for sure. Yes. Well, <laughs> I think we can go back and forth on those All kind right. of stories. <laughs> But, you know, that's us yes. with our nerdy brains fixating on our nerdom, just like the characters of Enterprise fixate on things in singularity. Look at that. <laughs> that is a nice connection right there. Gold star. Okay. I worked hard for that one. <laughs> All, right. All right. On that note. Here we go. We'll take a sip of water, clear the air, and you're ready.